Good morning to you. Good morning. I'm kind of jazzed right now about God, um, but I'm also a little already somewhat defeated. Does that make sense? Have you ever had like the uh, two things operating at once? Um, um, one is I was listening to um, Bishop Tudor Bismarck. Have you guys ever heard of him? You know, I love him so much, and um, he's um, a dear friend of our bishops. And um, and so he said this, and it, it just lived with me. He was like, you get so depressed after you preach preach a message. He said, and no one understands because what you heard was directly from God and it was not cut. It wasn't based on time. It wasn't segmented or anything. It was a direct download. So when you preach it, you know you did not give it the way that it came to you. And so you're a little depressed because you want everybody to hear the way you got it. So, um, but anyway, God always speaks the way he speaks. And so this morning, um, do you have your Bible um, or your electronic Bible on your app, on your phone? Um, a paper Bible, um, and um, you need, um, and let's go to Psalm. Um, so let's go to Psalm 91 just as an opener because we know that that's our scripture to go. But then after that, we're going to live in Second Chronicles um, from there. Second Chronicles, and so if you want to kind of know, we're going to go to Second Chronicles 22, and we're going to live there. But first, I want to start off with Psalm 91 and one. And some of you guys may have heard that the word that the Lord gave me, and you know, and I just want to tell you that we it was a holiday weekend. We didn't think the kids were going to be here, but um, they are, but I don't think they should be taken out because um, this is something, one of the way kids learn church is to be in church. And so remember that we're doing something different. We're following the leading of the Lord and we're just making sure that our children are trained and part of that will come out in the message. Amen. So let's, um, let's pay attention. Are you with me? Yeah. Say the word works. The word works. Okay. This morning's message is called Kings, Queens and power couples. Okay. Kings, Queens and power couples who has called who is called to be your reinforcements remember um that our um our uh, uh year theme is building godly community and in that we use coaching mentoring discipling and pastoring and one of the signs of a coach is to ask questions to motivate critical thinking and so there are a lot of questions that are going to be presented to you today um and the oa will all will post a lot of the notes from today on um on the podcast along with the message but who is called to be your reinforcements Enforcements and what does true power look like? Okay, kings, queens, and power couples. Say that with me kings, queens, and power couples. All right, did I pique your interest? All right, power couples is this buzzword for the new millennial, and we want to understand where the real foundation of these types of principles are because there's nothing new under the sun. So look at Psalm 91, and I want to make sure that you read it out of the amplified version. And this, in fact, is the amplified classic. It's called the amplified classic because um, they continue to update the text. And continue theologians continue to study the word and make sure that it has been rightly divided but the amplified classic says this and as some of you probably know the scripture so much you're just reading out of memory but I want you to read and listen amen um, Lord open our ears this morning Lord because there is a word that you have given me to tear down the strategic stronghold of generational curses God you called me Lord you have been bothering me and disturbing me Lord about this stronghold that has infiltrated our ranks Lord of our families of our call of 
Lord God, Lord God, speak to someone who is in bondage. Speak to someone that is trying to understand their past. Speak to someone that feels that their future cannot come to pass because of the wickedness and the demonic strongholds and the attacks and the whispering lies of the evil one. Lord, speak, Father. Speak, Lord God. Step into this building. May nothing be taken personal, but may all things be processed through the power of the unadulterated word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit speaking convicted truth in the name of Jesus we pray amen and amen and amen so Psalm 91 says this he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall remain stable say stable and fixed say fixed under the shadow of the almighty whose power no foe can withstand can withstand no foe can withstand I will say of the Lord he is my my refuge make it personal my refuge my fortress my God on him I lean and rely and in him I confidently trust verse 3 for then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence why is this this constant switching of tenses and understanding and who is the writer the right is the writer is a priest or a Levite, he was probably, um, uh, uh, good to see you, Byron. He is probably, um, uh, they've said that it is probably a priest or a Levite, meaning he is a temple personnel and he is recording this in the canon of scripture and he starts off with a declaration and the declaration says, he who dwells. So he comes with a general statement, he who dwells, you can remain if you are in the secret place, the place where the enemy does not have access, the place where the enemy cannot see and the place where the enemy's power is silenced if you dwell there you will remain stable and fixed and then he switches the tense and makes it personal and he says I will say of the Lord my refuge my fortress my God I lean on you I rely on you and confidently trust and then he comes out of his personal statement and then he moves to a declaration to you and he says to you in faith with full assurance that he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler so there is this constant uh, shifting of, of, of uh, there's a constant shifting of, of uh, the pronouns and, and he's saying a general he then he is saying my and then he is saying you but as a priest or a Levite he has the authority to do so because he reigns and he works in the temple of God and if you understand the Levitical order and the order of the priest they have a right to to speak into your life they have a right to understand that God speaks to me and then I speak to you and so he says this this is the also thing that we want to look at in verse 5 through 6 we see four different threats that the Lord said he will come against okay so let's say what did they see what did the Levites see and what do they know about the secret place to write this with full authority and for us to declare it on ourselves and to have it recorded in the canons of the word for this is the thing nothing was recorded in scripture unless they were convinced that it lined up with the things of God not, there were so many things that were written that were written and historically accounted for but it was not able to go into the text of the word of God because it didn't line up and there was no understanding that this is from God but this statement from this Levite from this priest from this moment he said I am assured and I can say with confidence and authority if you dwell in the secret place you can withstand against any type of demonic force any type of enemy any type of foe even if they are within your family even if they are within your marriage even if they are within your church or even if they are within your job anywhere they are if you dwell in the secret place 
of the Most High God, you will remain stable and fixed. So with that, we go into uh, Second Chronicles, and we want to look at um, an account that um, this this was my concern. I kind of started reading this, and I was I was going through some um, some of the uh, the lessons from uh, me and management, and we had a, a, a moment where we do a study on all the kings and all of their mothers, and why is this important, and whether they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now the 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 kingdoms were 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 separated like this. It was the king the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. And so if you look in the Bible, you will see First Kings, Second Kings, First Kings, Second Chronicles. First Chronicles and Second Chronicles is a duplication of First and Second Kings. Why is it a duplication? First and Second Kings looks at the text and the history of all the kings of Judah and Israel from a a military standpoint, from a strategic you know army standpoint. First and Second Chronicles looks at it from a godly, not saying that First and Second Kings is not godly, but First and Second Chronicles will pull out certain facts. If you read the two texts, they're very similar, but if you read First and Second Chronicles, you will see more of the godly persona uh, uh, statements inserted in there because they were recorded specifically so that the Levites, the priests, so that those would understand that in this account, these are the things we must remember. So you will see some names inserted in First and Second Chronicles that you don't see inserted in First and Second Kings and so forth and so on. But for the most part, you will see a duplication. Now let's read this account because this was my concern is that many of us speak of the spirit of Jezebel. How many of you are familiar with the spirit of Jezebel? And she was a queen and many of say, you know, that the spirit of Jezebel, when we see people who are manipulative and when we see people who are, um, are conniving and they try to twist and control. And so God says, you know, I did a search because I, somebody else in there was bothering me a little bit more than Jezebel. And yes, Jezebel is a key spirit because God mentions, mentions her in revelation and talks about revelation and talks in revelation that there was a church. He said, when he talks about the key churches, he said, I have this against you. Yes, you live holy. Yes, you do what is right. Yes, you do all these things, but you have not gotten rid of the spirit of Jezebel. So there is something about compromise that God doesn't like. And he even stated to one church, you're neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm and I have no tolerance. And so in this account in second Chronicles 22, we see this about some other individuals that we must pay attention to because what we also realize is that when we study Kings and Chronicles, what we see these stories, we have to take into account that the spirit of a lot of these people infiltrate through demonic ranks and, 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 and all of that stuff. And they, and you see the spirit of a lot of these people operating through in the spiritual realm. So it says this, he Jehu, which ended up becoming, um, which ended up Jehu actually became a King. That's a whole, um, a whole nother, this is my message right here. So I'm trying to make this turn into this and, uh, but okay, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, Jehu was um, eventually became king of Israel. But at this time, it says he, Jehu, then went in search of Ahaziah. Now, I practice these names all week, and I hope that I say them right because I hate not uh, pronouncing the words correctly because they have specific meanings. And if you say a verb tense in the wrong way, you're saying something different. So, you know, be patient with me. Um, but he sent us, uh, uh, he went in search of Ahaziah, who was actually at the time a king of Judah, and his men captured him while he was hiding in Samaria. He was brought to Jehu and put to death. They buried him for they said he was a son of Jehoshaphat who sought the Lord with all his heart. So there was no one in the house of Ahaziah powerful enough to retain the kingdom because we know the kingdoms were passed down from generation to generation. When Athaliah, uh, 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 oh babe, how do you say it? Oh, 
I've been studying her name all this time. Athalia, there you go. Athalia, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead. She proceeded to destroy the whole royal family of the house of Judah. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes, princes who were about to be murdered, and put him and his nurse in a bedroom, say a room. Because Jeho Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram and wife of the priest Jehodai, was Ahaziah's sister. She hid the child from Athaliah so she could not kill him. And he remained hidden with the, them at the temple of God for six years with, while Athaliah ruled the land. And then it says this very strategic sentence in the seventh year. Jehoiah showed his strength. Say this with me. Say he showed his strength. This is a visual of, of the priest. He was actually the high priest. Jehoiah showed his strength. This is his wife. Okay, get a picture. This is his wife. These are new introductions to new characters that you may have overlooked. Jehoshiba is rescuing the baby Joash. This is the nurse because at this time they had nurses um, that were there to, to feed the child. So he was approximately, you know, nine, ten months, maybe maybe a year old, this is the murders taking place where the grandmother was on a rampage to kill everyone in her family. She proceeded to destroy the whole royal family of the house of Judah. Why? Why are you gonna kill all your grandkids, all your nephews, all your nieces, anyone? She was killing everyone, but they went to the temple where he was the high priest and his wife, who was a sister of the king, took her nephew, they are the aunt and uncle of this child, and they hid him in a room, say a room, a room in the temple and tucked him away with the nurse. What does that mean? Why would she kill Everybody, remember, uh, 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 what's his name had a joke where he's, uh, uh, what's his name, babe, uh, Red Richard Pryor? Why did you kill everybody in the house? And the guy said, they was home, you know? <laughs> I just killed everybody. But she was strategic. Now let's look at this. Let's look at this so you can get a picture of this family. This would be the movie to, to make if anybody, oh, um, yeah, you can go to the next one. This is the map, okay? This is not the whole map of all the kings and queens, but this is just our current story. These are the power couple players. Are you with me, okay? Let's try to see what's going on. So we are talking about kings and queens, and we have Jehoshaphat on the right. He is the king of Judah. We had Omri of Israel, okay? Omri was wicked. One of the things you will note, and this is all important, if you stay with me, I promise it's gonna make sense to you, that in the, in the kings of Israel, God's chosen people, the kings were wicked. Omri was the father of King Ahab who married who? Jezebel, okay? Now look at this, look at this. Jezebel's father was a king, but he was also a wicked priest, okay? So she starts off as a queen. Follow me, follow me. Please stay with me. She starts off, excuse me, as a princess. She, her father was a king, and she marries, a king, she marries another prince, and so they then end up ruling after the death of his father, and they become king and queen, okay? This is power couple number one, king and queen. She is what we call a queen consort. You will understand it later. But King Ahab married Jezebel. Jezebel's father was a king and a priest. Now listen to this. This is another interesting fact that you have to understand. Three critical, say, I'm gonna have you repeat it so you remember. Three critical, three critical roles in the Old Testament were the king, say the king, the, king. the priest, the 
and the prophet. Now, what we know about Jesus Christ, he comes in the New Testament and he comes in as all three. Jesus comes in and wrecks it all. Remember, he was a king. So the king at that time was threatened because a king was going to be born. But he was also the son of God. He was the high priest. Then we also know that he was a prophet because he came and spoke prophetically. So Jesus was wrapped in all three. And so we have King Ahab and Queen Consort Jezebel. Now, out of that union came these children. Princess Athalia and King Jerome. Now, this is the thing that you have to know. Some say that Jezebel was her mother. If you go and, and, and review any of this and you want to check my facts, some say Jezebel was her mother. Some say she wasn't. Some say we definitely know Ahab was her father. Now, different accounts say different things, but the wickedness that you see from Athalia, that's how you say her name, Athalia, the wickedness you see, I am led to believe that Jezebel was her mother. We forget Jezebel had to pour her spirit in somebody. So somebody was watching the evil of Jezebel. Somebody was watching the levels of evil that dropped down from her father into her life. And so we see this. Now we see over here, come with me over to the king of kingdom of Judah. Jehoshaphat was holy. Jehoshaphat was holy. And he has these, this son right here, King Jehoram, and he married who? He married Athalia. Now, what happens is these two kingdoms come together. Judah and Israel come together. So you have his son marries his granddaughter and they become another power couple. So now you have King Jehoram and Queen. Uh, she is a queen consort. You'll understand it in a minute. Athalia. OK, you got it. So she was a princess here and she got upgraded to what? Queen status. OK, she got upgraded to queen status. This meant that Ahab and Jezebel still had access to both kingdoms. So now Ahab, who used to roll with Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was holy, but he kept a wicked friend. And now his wickedness has now infiltrated his family and his son marries his daughter. And now the wickedness jumps to both kingdoms. Okay. They then have children. Watch this. Watch this. King Ahaziah is a son of them and Princess Jeho Jehosheba. And she marries a high priest, Jehoiada. Wait a minute. Something is wrong. Why would the king work so hard to join forces over here, but why would his daughter not marry another king? Why would she stay a princess? God always has a ram in the bush, bush, okay? So you have three power couples. You have these, you have those, and then you have this one. Princess Jehosheba marries a high priest, Jehoiada. He is not a king. He's not operating in this level. He's his own person. Now, look at this. He had brothers. All his brothers were killed. And when all his brothers were killed, the youngest now becomes king. Are you with me? Is this boring you? The youngest becomes kings. But he's the last one left. He was only king for one year. One year. All this is going to make sense in a minute. He was only king for one year. So what happens, his mother starts off as a what? princess. She then marries a king and becomes a what? A queen. When he dies, she quickly did what? She killed who? Everybody in the royal family. Why did she do that? So that she could be queen. Her husband is dead. Her husband has already been killed. She's at this point his mother, she has access to the king's ear. She drops down. He dies. She gets angry and she goes, uh oh, I'm going to have to make a quick decision. I no longer have the king's ear. 
Somebody else is going to step in. I have no idea who will then become king. I'm going to make a quick decision. I'm going to kill everybody and I'm going to do what no other woman has done, not even my mother Jezebel. I will now become queen. And if you look in the canons of history, she was the only ruling queen, queen either in Israel or Judah. And then it says that what happened though? What it happened? What happened? What did the story tell us? That Princess Jehosheba, when she heard that her brother was killed, she snatched his son Joash while this one was on a rampage, told her husband, we got to take our nephew and hide him where? In the secret place of the temple of God where his, his grandmother will not have access to him and we will keep him in a room for six or seven years so that she will not know that God has kept a ram in the bush. So if she had married a king, she wouldn't have had access to the secret place. But because this princess decided I don't have to be a queen to move in power, I will stay a princess, but I will now infiltrate the ranks of the temple and marry the high priest. I will then save the entire kingdom by saving Joash. So what happens then? How do you get rid of reigning wickedness? Who has been established in your life? in a demonic authority where it feels like you can't shake it. How many have ever seen the spirit of Jezebel in operation where Jezebel has queen status, where she trains somebody to follow up under her and she says, this is how it's done, boo. Get yourself a king and if you get in, the, if you get in a place of authority, you will then be able to do whatever you want. We all focus on the spirit of Jezebel, but there was another spirit, Athalia, that we must pay attention to. Jezebel was first string. Athalia was second string and she walked in even more power than her mother. Whether it was her mother or stepmother, she still had access to the training of a wicked queen. Do you understand? Let's look at this. Let's look at this because this is the thing. Some say that the spirit of Jezebel, you can go to the next slide. Some say that the spirit of Jezebel, some think it only operates through women and perhaps it does, but the spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of Ahab, this is the thing you must realize. The spirit of Jezebel always has to have the spirit of Ahab to set up her rule. Okay, I, I, know, I don't know if I'm missing you, but let me show you this. These are the five types of queens, okay? There is only one type of king. You only have, you don't have different levels of king. When a man gets set in place, he's good. No, women, we gotta fight, we gotta do this thing and that thing. This is called a king's consort, but it is just a symbolic title only. Kings, men, you're good, you're good. You have it good, you're already set up. It's usually the male heir that takes the place. That is the system of God, that is the order of God. God has an order and he keeps it in place. But when this queen situation comes into play, there are five different ways that a queen can take authority. She is either a queen consort where she is the wife of a reigning king, but she doesn't have any sovereignty. She doesn't have any power. She can be a queen regent, meaning she is guardian of a child monarch. Some of you have seen that some, some countries have children that are set in as queen, and so their mother then becomes queen regent, meaning she guards the child, she guards the kingdom, and she gets to have authority over the, over, over, um, the reign, okay? A queen mother, some of you have seen in Jeremiah 29, 11, when they went into captivity, the Bible says, 
says that even the queen mother went into captivity. She is the mother of a reigning king. Even captivity couldn't hold back some of the queen's mother. Then you have the queen regnant, which is the authoritative place where you actually have a woman who is a monarch reigning. I was just reading a, 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 a um, article about how women never should be pastors. The man was so, he was so full of venom and he was saying that no woman should ever become a pastor. And I started thinking of a pastor I know in Atlanta where she was just the wife of a pastor. She was just the wife of a pastor. She used her business sense to help her husband buy all this property in Atlanta. And the night before they were making the biggest deal to buy acres of property for the church, her husband died. And the next day they had to go sell the paper. So the queen consort had to jump in she had one son who was younger so she was had to come in as queen regent and she closed the deal she then becomes pastor in the 1980s and the 1990s and everyone spoke against her but she said i wasn't trying to be a queen regnant or a queen regent i was just a queen consort but through the process of death i am now overseeing the church you don't know what the plan of god is you have no idea but god always has a plan a queen dowager is the widow of a king so look at what Jezebel does. Jezebel is a queen consort. But what does she do? She, what does she do? She says, you may be the head, but what was Jezebel? I will be the neck. And she consoled Ahab and, and told him, don't worry about it. I'll go get you that field. I'll, I'll take over. I'll take over the priest. I'll take over the temple of God. And we see that when we see people operating in Jezebel, oh, they come in so sweet, but their heart is manipulative. Their plan is to control. Their plan is to destroy. And so because Jezebel's father was a king and a priest she then operated as a queen and a priestess and so it says that Ahab followed the things of God but she brought in Baal worship into the kingdom and got him to share his worship of God with dark demonic spirits amen and so it says that they then developed 450 priests that were in this temp in this demonic temple holding it down so there was a stronghold see that's the thing in your life you are the kingdom you are the kingdom. God is the king. He's the priest. Jesus came in as your king, as your priest, as your prophet to speak into your life. And the enemy wants to come into your life and build a stronghold and tear down anything that God wants to do for you. So God, the enemy will send the spirit of Jezebel. He'll spend the spirit of Ahab. He'll spend all this type of demonic activity to stop you where you were going. But God said, no, sir, you will not win. Not even Athaliah can come in and stop. And look what Athaliah did. She came in as a queen consort and then her son became her husband died so then she was a queen dowager then her son was ruling and then she became a queen mother but girlfriend didn't stop till she was a what queen regnant people are looking for queens but whoever you step in as a queen consort and you think they're not going to have no authority they can move through this circle quicker than you could ever think and so the lord says do not be unequally yoked because there is power. Why is there such a war for marriage? Why is there such a war for marriage? Because the enemy knows that true power only comes through covenant, whether demonic power or godly power. Power comes through what? Marriage covenant. 
my godfather in Houston was asked, will you marry homosexuals now that the law has changed? He said, I didn't even marry all heterosexuals. So don't come to me asking me another level. He said, because even men and women are unequally yoked. Even then the enemy is trying to infiltrate. But why is marriage such a key component? You can be that person's lover. You can live in their house. But if you don't have their last name, if there has been no signed documents, if a pastor has not written his name on a license, you have no authority. You are not queen until it is written down legally and spiritually that you have stepped in. And then that person has all access to be whoever they want to be. Hear me, man of God, because the spirit of Jezebel will come in and will try to come to destroy you and cut you down. But she is not going after just you. She wants to make sure that she has control of the person you marry or if she has control of your marriage as a whole. So go to the next slide. So we see. I hope I'm not boring you, but God has said there's a word in here. These are the power couple comparisons. You have this godly couple over here. You have these wicked um, uh, relationships over here. It is believed that Jehoshaphat was not Athaliah's daughter because remember, Athaliah could not have been Jezebel's daughter because they had multiple marriages. But they said they doubt very seriously that she was her daughter, even though that was probably like a stepmother that we would call it in this term. She was a queen, you know, she was a queen at that time, so she had access to her. But there was something in her. This is what's so deep. You can be exposed to wickedness. You can see the generational curses. You can see all the demonic activity in your family. But when God has his hand on you, when God has a call in you, you will say, no, 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 no. I am not going to fall for the okie doke. I will not submit to demonic activity. So she saw the trend. I see they marry kings and they get in like that and they manipulate their power. She said, I'm going to go to a higher authority. And she married a high priest and did even greater things. So her and her husband established peace in Judah through the power of God. And they raised a king, led the priests, left a legacy. Ahab blended bell worship with worship of the Lord Almighty, but they left a legacy of holiness. Let's go back to Second Chronicles and then, um, but, but real quick, let me, let me show you this right here. Because if you're single, I want you to hear me. If you're divorced, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. This is a term that blew me away. A princess and a morganotic marriage. What is a morganotic, morganic, excuse me, marriage? It is when you don't marry someone on the same level as you. Their status is lower. So she married someone who was not a king. Have you ever seen people where the guy says, I married up, and then they look at the woman, and they say, she definitely married down, okay? And so, so it took, she, you know, so a princess here, she took down a queen regnant. That doesn't make sense, because a princess doesn't operate in the same authority. But she said, no, if I step into the temple of God and I step into a supernatural authority, it doesn't matter if I marry somebody who's popular, who's fine, who has this, who has that. It doesn't matter. This is the thing. And this is why God, I know this is why God allowed it. And some of you guys have heard me, but I got to say it again so that you hear it in this context. Before pa Pastor Daryl and I had been friends for years and I was dating a judge in the Bahamas and I watched him go from an attorney working with the district attorney and then he became a 
judge and the high court. He had the, gray, the little gray wig and all that kind of stuff. But the spirit of God said no. And this and my friend said to me, she said, that man has authority. That man will give you power. That man will take you into another country. Yeah, marry that man. And he was putting money in my bank account and I was driving his Range Rover in America. And God said, this is cute, but that's weak power, weak power, weak power. God said, I want you to go marry the man that has a motorcycle and a Yaris. Go figure, you know, because God said this, God will sneak you in. He will, he will sneak you in. He will sneak you in. And I will never forget when I was talking to the guy, Andrew, the judge, and he was in the States visiting me. And I told, I was telling Anise this. And I said, I dropped him off at the airport. And I said, we're done today. We're done. I said, you take care of ourselves. We had a habit when he did night court that we would video chat that night. And he said, I'll video you tonight. And he turned around and started walking. I said, Andrew, I said, Drew, listen to me. I said, we are done. And he turned around. He said, Teresa, he said, women don't get rid of a man like me. I'll talk to you tonight. And he walked in that airport. I said, baby, you just met a princess that you don't know nothing about. I don't see this kind of power. I look for the power of God. Yeah. And God said, no. No, my uncle came up to me when I decided not to marry this man. And my uncle said, are you stupid? You missed an opportunity. You missed something that the whole family could have profited from. You missed an opportunity. And I said, watch me miss it for the plan and the purposes of the almighty God. God is trying to do power on a whole nother level because godly power trumps evil power no matter how long it takes. I don't know what time it is. Let's go to the next slide because I want you to see this. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. God will do some strange things. So we have the princess taking the boy, taking the boy and hiding him in the temple for how long? Six years. We have Jezebel bringing in Ahab and worshiping Baal and it looks like she won. But boy, Jehu said, God, I will do whatever you have for me. And they threw her out a window. And this queen that had all the power that was rocking all the priests that had everything on lockdown. Women call their makeup after her. She fell out of a window, broke her neck, and the dogs ate her. And when Jehu tried to have mercy, there was nothing left of her body but her skull. God said, don't play with me. Real power, real power, real power trumps evil power all the time. Look at your girl, Queen Athelia. She was fine. She was fine. She was the merger. She was the merger. She was the one that brought the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel together. And God says, Satan, I don't care what you try to infiltrate and what I've set up, I will tear her down and we will see her demise. And then right here, we're going to see this right here. This is the man that didn't look like he had any power. That's the high priest uh, Je Jehoiada that married the princess. And he comes against this queen right here because he was walking in the authority of the most high God. This is the thing. This is the thing. Don't miss the order of God. What does Matthew 10 say? So do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. When the spirit of Jezebel, when the spirit of Ahab, when the spirit of Achlia is coming in your life trying to take you down, God said, do not be afraid. Do not suppose when you are dealing with wicked. This is the thing. This is what this is what I love that Bishop Tudor Bismarck said. He said, you are coming against demons that have been operating in the earth for thousands of years. They have been studying the past.
pattern of your family. They have been studying your great grandfather, your grandfather, your aunts and your uncles. They know things about you because they have been studying the line. They are anchored and they know your weakness because they knew what all the other men in your family's weakness was, all the other women. They know. And so God says the most unusual thing. He said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemy will be the members in their own house. Why is that spoken in the New Testament? Because it had been proven in the Old Testament. God is saying, yes, I believe in the family order, but my order trumps all other order. God said, when the devil comes in like a flood, I will lift up a standard against them and I will tear down family structure if it means saving the plan of God. God will tear down order so that he will establish his divine order. Divine order. Divine order. God will establish his divine order. Scott is saying, why do you think marriage is something that happens in the temple of God? Because it's the order of God. It's the power of God. It's the release of true power into your life. And you want to be a power couple. And the enemy says, I will send demonic men and women to marry you so that I can get in and tear down your whole entire family. That is why it says, this is why it's important. It wasn't the Proverbs 31 man. It was a Proverbs 31 woman. It was a queen mother talking to her son and saying, listen, let me warn you about women that ruin kings. It's not about the woman. Everybody gets so caught up in, oh, everybody loves her. She gets up early and she has business and she go back to the beginning of Proverbs 31. It was a queen mother talking to her son. She said, before you turn over your whole kingdom, everything that God called you to be, this is why the Lord said in the Old Testament, I don't even like, he, he one man, he, he busted him down just because in sex he spilt his seed. Because God is saying everything about you will be passed down to the generations after you because the plan of God cannot be recognized in your whole life. So look at your structure and see if you are operating in power because God is saying, I'm trying to develop something in you. <sighs> ah, okay, go to the next one. Second Chronicles 23. Yeah, we're going to read all this because it's important because this says something to you about what you are going through in your life right now. And it says this, because the, last, the first thing the Second Chronicles 23.1 said, it said, and after seven years, ah, after seven years, the high priest, Jehadai, he showed his strength. This is the thing. You think people are weak. Some people size you up by you going, okay. All right, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. Apologies. Are you all right? Okay. They, people size you up and go, oh, they're weak. I can get past them. For, so for six years, he covered the temple of God while a wicked, wicked, evil woman, while Jezebel's daughter was the queen regnant. And he humbled himself and just said, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. How are you today? Knowing she was wicked, knowing she was evil, knowing. And for seven years, he was quiet. Why? Because he knew he had the answer to her downfall tucked in the secret place of the temple. This is the thing. How did she not know this baby was there? Because she was a wicked queen and she had no desire to go into the house of God. And you have options to come to church and you don't take them. 
You have an option to dwell in the secret place, but you got a fingernail bent. You got a tire messed up. And in the other parts of the world, they are fighting for an underground church. And we are sitting here going, oh, I might come. I may not. Oh, I don't know how I feel today. Oh, I want to go to brunch. I want to go to the beach. And God is saying, I'm speaking in the secret place, in the temple. We are in this little room. Church happens in a room, but the size of the room doesn't determine the magnitude of the ministry. The size of the room kept the king safe for six years. And on the seventh year, the number of completion the priest of God said okay God woke him up one day and he said it's time to show your strength so he got up his courage and he made a pact with five army commanders this is really important they named every single one because this may be you you may be serving the man or woman of God and you are in your position and you need to be ready when they call you and give you a word and tell you this is what God is calling us to do these men traveled secretly throughout Judah and summoned the leaders and clan leaders in all the towns to come to Jerusalem. For six years, it wasn't just one little boy tucked away in a room. Everybody was shut down. The leaders, the priests, they were all hiding out in underground churches, underground places, waiting for a move of God. And after six years, on the seventh year, then the man of God rose up and said, it's time. And they all gathered at the temple of God where they made a solemn pact with Joash, who was a six-year-old little boy. He was a little boy. And they made a pact with him and his uncle and his aunt were standing there with them. And they said, we know you don't get everything that's going on, but God has a plan for your life. Why do you think we've kept you in a room for six and a half years? Why do you think you were at this little tiny church that nobody comes to and we got all these empty seats? Because God has been hiding you in the secret place. And he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God will remain what? Stable and fixed and no foe will be able to attack him. And he was there with his aunt, with his uncle, with a nurse made and he was raised for seven years and then one day he goes from a room to a palace and all these mighty valiant warriors come to him and they make a pact with him that he didn't even understand and this young king he said to him here is the king's son the time has come for him to reign and the Lord has promised promised that a descendant of David will be our king some of you are waiting and waiting and waiting for the plan of God to come into play and though the vision tarry wait for it wait for God to do what he is going to do. It was seven years, but the Lord made a promise. And so the man of God, the high priest said, this is what you must do. When you priests and you Levites come on duty on the Sabbath, meaning those who serve, you wonder Rod and Josh and Stephen, why you are so consistent and why serving in the house of God is so important when nobody comes or somebody comes or this thing happens because you have to be on post at every time because you don't know when God's going to move. And a third of you will serve as gatekeepers at the end Another third of you will go to the palace. And finally, a third of you at the foundation gate. Everyone else stays in the courtyards of the temple of God. And remember this, only the priests and the Levites on duty may enter the temple of God. Why is that important? Who wrote Psalm 91? Who wrote, I'm preaching to somebody, even if it's nobody in this room, Lord, release a word so that people can hear the power of what you are saying. Who wrote Psalm 91? It was a Levite. I believe it was probably one of these men who had been waiting for a move of God and they said Lord no devil in hell can stop this wicked family no devil in hell can stop your move and then suddenly they see a release and it says they are all set apart as holy why am I still living holy and nobody's come? Why am I still not sleeping with anybody, not married, not having children because God had you set aside for such a time as this 
You are set apart as holy. The rest of the people must obey the Lord's instruction and stay outside. You Levites form, you form a bodyguard around the king. Why did all this? This is the thing. You think that everything is so over the top and why is God doing it? Why we gotta have, you know, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have a hundred men guard this little boy. I mean, dude, he's seven, he's six. Why does it matter that much? Why we got, and he gave them weapons and he gave them an army. He said, 100 of you on the outside of the temple, 100 of you around the royal palace, 100 to you around the foundational gate, 100, the Levites and the priests, you think the men of God are weak? They were in there with swords and spears and all this stuff that hadn't been used and they came around the little boy and he said, keep your weapons at hand and kill anyone who tries to enter the temple. What would you do for the house of God? And he said, stay with the king. Jeremiah is not even a year old. Jazz is not even 15. Uh, uh, look at our babies, jo Jojo and, and KJ and Grace and Ro Riley, all of our children. Would we go through all this to guard them against the evil one? Why did Jehadi, the high priest, do all this? Because he knew the level of wickedness that was coming against this one child. And he said, so the Levites and all the people of Judah did everything that the priest told them to do. There was order in the house because they had been ordained and released by God to do this. The Levitical order was set aside as priests of God. If the, the priest side came out of Aaron, but the Levites were, oh, their whole purpose, their whole generational purpose was set aside. They were ordained. They were birthed into an order of keeping the house of God set aside. And the commanders of the army took charge of the men and they reported those who were due for the Sabbath. This is what they did. They would serve in the house of God consistently over time. They would do, they would do, um, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Long term stays at the house of God so that the house of God was never un, un, um, un, you know, without being on guard and nobody was there. Somebody was always there serving in the house of God. And Jehudah, the priest, did not let anyone go home after their shift ended. He said, no, today we're all going to serve. And he supplied the command with spears and large shields we all talked about and David and he stored in the temple of God this is the thing the house of God wasn't really being used it wasn't really being used so he was coming in and establishing order and he stationed all the people around the king with their weapons ready they formed a line from the south side of the temple to the north side for a seven-year-old little boy who is your child why do we anoint our children what are we protecting them from this little boy was being protected from his grandmother. What lengths would you do to protect your child from something that is so dark? I wish you could hear me. There are things laying in your family. There are generational demons hoping that they can get their hands on your child. There are demons hovering in the darkness while you sleep, wanting to cut your throat. Yes wanting to take your seed, hoping that you stay single, hoping that you only have one child and not anymore because they're hoping that they can cut you down. And God is going through all these lengths to protect you, sending all these people to give you a word, sending all these people to oversee your victory. And his uncle stood and he yelled out when he got everybody in place. He said, long live the king. And the people had been waiting, waiting for the king to come in place, waiting for her wickedness to end, waiting for God to get up and do something. Some of you are waiting for God to step in and rescue you from yourself. Rescue.
rescue you from the spirit of Jezebel that has been manipulating you and controlling you and you know it's there and you can't stop it. You don't know why there's this control over your life and Athlia is operating in your life, killing everything you set your hands to do and you don't know why nothing's working because the enemy has caused a strong demonic spirit to lock into your life. But when God is ready, God will say, wake up. The king in you must rise. The king in you must rise. And it was because one princess said, I don't have to be a queen. I know where my power lies. And he said, long live the king. And when Athlia saw this, she tore her clothes and cried, treason, treason. And the high priest and the commanders, they take the soldiers in front of the temple. And he said, don't kill her here. Don't let God blood be shed in God's house, but take her outside and kill her right there in the entrance of the temple so that everyone can see. And if anyone tries to follow, kill them. You wonder why people have been removed from your life. You wonder why people have dogged you out and come against you because God is coming against a demonic stronghold that has been sent to tear you down. Someone called me recently and they said, I think this about somebody you're in relationship with. I said, but if you leave, I'm left open. Who are you leaving open? Don't tell me about what you see. Tell me about what you're going to do. The high priest put a Levite in charge. You have to be, you can't be a rogue agent. The Levites had to wake up and do what they were birthed to do. And they had to do it according to the order of God. This is really important because he, after he did this, he went to the, ta- the temple of Baal and he destroyed everything. This is the thing. Jehu was a mighty man. He became king. He killed Ahab. He killed Jezebel. He killed this person and that person. But there was something he left unchecked. Why does God send the man and woman of God to tell you about this one thing? Why do they harass you? Because Jehu left one thing unchecked and that one thing he left unchecked caused him everything. But it says the man of God, after we kill her, after we restore the temple, we're going to go down and tear down everything wicked and evil. Go to the next slide and I'm closed. He who dwells in the secret place. These are six things I want you to look for. Spiritual submission. Know your call and know someone that can discern it. That little boy had no idea what he was being raised to do, but God sent his uncle to watch over him, the high priest of the temple of God, who was bold and let his strength and his courage shine at the darkest hour. And he know who you are submitted to. Spiritual safety, church and shepherding is set up for you. Stay in God's house. He who dwells in the secret place. Why did that leave? I write it because they were a personnel of the temple of God and they were trying to let you in on a secret. If you stay here, you will be safe. Spiritual study. Understand the demonic principalities that have been watching your family history for centuries to destroy you. Why did Jesus come against that man? And before he set him free, he asked the demon, he said, what is your name? You have a right to know the demonic strongholds. My mother said when she, when we were little, she held me and we would go to school. She would walk around in our bedroom and hold our pillow. And she would say, God, show me what is coming against my children. I don't care if my husband died. I don't care if I'm by myself. You got to show me what demons are coming to take out my children. And the Lord told her what spirit was coming after Roz. And he told her what spirit was coming after me. You can't tear something down unless you know it by name. So do your homework, spiritual solitude, patiently enduring the years 
of being hidden. You're from in a room in the palace or an underground. This is a thing, not just Joash was being hidden, but all the men and women of God were hidden all around the country. And God said, stay in solitude. And at the right time, I will expose you. John the Baptist, he was, it says he was kept in the wilderness. Jesus was put in a manger. Moses was put in a basket. Who else? Who else? Can you think of anybody else? God said, the prophets of God, the men of God, tell, trust me, I often keep them in solitude until it is time for their showing. Spiritual strength, recognize those that watch for you and cover you regardless of their title. Recover, recognize those that watch for you and cover you regardless of that title. What am I talking about? Because so many people were involved. Remember the commanders of the armies were involved. The, least were, the Levites were involved. The priests were involved and the commanders, I mean the gatekeepers were involved. Spiritual secrets, when you arrive where God is taking you, don't forget. Remember what God did to hide you. Unfortunately, Joash, he followed in the things of God. He rebuilt the temple. He followed after his uncle. His uncle was his advisor all those years. But when his uncle died, he turned his heart away from God. Look at this. You think you've given up stuff? His wife stayed a princess and married a high priest so that she could protect her nephew and watch him be king. She wasn't a queen like her mother. She wasn't a queen like her sister-in-law. She stayed a princess, but she married the man of God. And look at this, watch this. Because this, this little boy, consider this. All his siblings, all his brothers, his whole entire side of his family was wiped out. The only people he knew as brothers and sisters were the, the children of the high priest and the princess, his aunt and uncle. And it says that when his uncle lived to be 130 years, and look what God did. Look what God did. See, this is the thing. Stop measuring people up based on what you think they have. The real measuring of a pastor or a man or a woman of God or a prophet of God is not how much they have, whether they are on preachers of L.A. or they have a rose voice or anything. The real measure is the spiritual authority and the spiritual of power that they walk in. Because when he died, this man who was a high priest, guess what? He was buried with the kings. This boy who he protected, who was a king, was buried in a regular death because he cut down his son. His son Zachariah came when his father died. And see, this is the thing. God has order. When he laid hands on him, it says that Jehoiada and his sons were there laying hands on the king. But this king turned around and killed his cousins. He killed his cousin and when his cousin was being slaughtered he turned around and he said God will call you to account. He died as a regular man but the high priest of God was buried with the kings. So even though the princess married a priest, her husband was recognized as a king. God will turn anything. Two more and I'm done. These are just questions for you to pay attention to. Know your role and know who you are. These are the Levites. These are the men serving in the temple of God that had to follow all the divine order of the house of God. God will always have order. He always has order. Are you being hidden in a room? Or are you hiding somewhere else? Because remember the Levites were hiding as well. Are you sent to protect a leader? Who are you? Are you a commander? Are you a Levite or a priest or a nurse or a gatekeeper? Who are you? Are you still a child or an adult? in the things of God and you need the man of God to walk with you to ensure that you stay close. Can you recognize the order of God 
God has order. These men were lined up. They had to wear certain garments. They had to have certain. God was so specific and he is consistent. If God wanted to tear down the order of the priesthood and the role that pastors play and the role that spiritual gifts play, he would have never put all that in the Old Testament. But God is a God of order. What demonic spirit or generational curse has been assigned to you? Can you hold your strength with patient endurance? Seven years, the man of God held his word, his words. And then lastly, is this time for you to stand in your calling. I know it's a holiday weekend and it's a little heavy to have this dropped on you, but this is what the Lord said. And in closing, Philippians 1 says this, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ than whether people see you or whether they don't see you, whether I come and I hear about you in your absence, I will know that you are standing firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And what does this say? Without being fret frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Some of you guys have some strong demonic spirits coming against you. This is Joe Ash, full grown man now. And he killed his cousin in the temple courtyards, the same place where his grandmother was killed to protect his life. He didn't remember, it says, the kindness of, his, of, of Zachariah's father. He didn't remember all that his aunt and uncle. How can you not remember growing up in a one room place? How can you not remember the things God spoke to you? How can you not remember and you grow up killing a prophet. It's so interesting that in the Old Testament we see them killing prophets. And in the New Testament we see another power couple, Herod and Herodias, join forces. He married his sister-in-law and the mother trained her daughter to dance wickedly for a king. And John the Baptist was killed. The priest Zechariah was killed. God is the God of all time. He is the God of every generation of your family. He is the God that knows the demonic hosts that are coming after you. He knows the lies that are spoken against you. He knows who you are afraid of and you buckle under that spirit because it's the spirit of Jezebel and Athlia coming against you, trying to keep you from being the queen or the king that you are called to be. But your stand will be assigned to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. Some of you are coming against some heavy demonic spirits. And we're trying to be powerful. We want power. We want fame. We want everyone to know who we are. We want, we want, we want, we want. And do we ever stop to think, what has God called you to do? Because how many of us will give up our title? How many of us will give up the money? How many of us will give up? The relationship, if it's not what God said. Sometimes you just can't marry them, and I'm sorry. You can date them, you can have fun, you can eat steak, you can sleep around, you can do all that, and God will say, no, nope, this is not for you. But God, we can be God. No. And again, I say, no. But God, I want them so bad. God said, yeah, and that's how the enemy is chasing after you. Who are you going to make covenant with? Who, what kind of covenant do you want? 
my husband jokes me because he's like, Moa, you were engaged more than anybody I know. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I had some close calls because the enemy was trying to entice me. He was trying to entice me. He was trying to cut down the anointing. He was trying to cut down who I was. So he'd bring this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy. God is speaking to somebody. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I did what you called me to do. Lord, we have to bind the strong man. Some of us, we're not ready to get free yet. But you have called us as... Lord, I... I hmm. The true power that you've called Pastor Darrell and I to walk in, Lord. I often feel like the princess and the high priest where we're in this little room and nobody knows what you are really saying. And we're taken for granted, Lord. But you know the true calling, Lord. Some other people can see. They know what you've called them to do as well. God, you are not a God that seeks for us to be famous and rich just for the sake of being famous and rich and everybody knowing who we are. You're a strategic God of order. And if it means ripping a family apart for you to fulfill your promise, so be it. Lord, speak to those that are single in this room. Speak to those that have already made a covenant. Speak to those where you had to rip them out of a covenant to save their soul. Speak, God. Some of us are broken from the Jezebel spirits and the Ahab spirits and the Athaliah spirits that have come. Hmm. But Lord, no power on earth can infiltrate the secret place. He who dwells, he who dwells, and no foe can withstand them. Let that be the focus of their heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.